fellow fiends. Welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week we are talking triple it threat. The triplet threat. I wanted to say it like triple threat. And I did. Yeah, and I think you also get it with triplet threat. Yeah, but triple it threat. <laughs> That's right. This week we are talking about some sinister siblings, some killer kin. Oh, oh. Pulled that one out. That was good. Uh, let's see if we got another one. Macabre family members. <laughs> Specifically concerning 2005's House of Wax. And 2003's Wrong Turn. Yeah, we've been wanting to do both of these films for... Well, we? I've been wanting to do both of these films for a while. We've, I, Again, I had a really hard time pairing them together. In fact, on the board where we have all of our episodes listed for the next four months, it just says House of Wax versus question mark. mark. <laughs> uh, I actually put a poll up on Twitter last month and you guys really helped us out in picking a partner for this week's episode that poll ended up having over 800 votes, and I think 600 or more were for Wrong Turn. A lot of people throwing in the hat for Black Xmas, though. Yeah, the 2005-2006. We actually recently tried to rewatch it. We were doing a bunch of other stuff while it happened, though, so we kind Has of... Has anybody ever actually paid attention to that movie while watching it? I don't know, but I was... You get to one sharpened candy cane and you're out. Okay, calm down. I do want to watch it for reals, though, because I was walking in and out of the room where the TV was on and all of a sudden somebody's eyes were being pulled out of their head and I was like, okay, we're going there. Yeah. So it's a pretty gory movie. Uh, I would recommend we all revisit it. That's what I recommend. <laughs> you don't have to love it. It's going to be gross though. <laughs> I suppose that's true. I don't know that I necessarily loved either of these movies. We're going to talk about them though. <laughs> Before we get into that though, Kim, what is keeping you creepy this week? Well, we have a whole bunch of stuff happening over at our Patreon page. We've just announced that we're going to be doing our first ever live stream uh, at the time of release. We had initially scheduled it for the 21st, but I have just learned that <laughs> Joe Bob's Christmas uh, special is going to be that the exact same time. Uh, we're in Canada, so we don't get the pleasure of experiencing that live, but I know a lot of you will be. So we're, we'll probably put a poll up on Patreon and see when you guys are going to be around during the Christmas break. And we'll reschedule that uh, at some point during Christmas, in between Christmas, New Year's, before Christmas. We'll figure out what works best for you guys and then we'll do it then. But that'll be at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. If there's not a post up now, we'll put one up this weekend. We also, like probably a lot of you, went to go see The Possession of Hannah Grace last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I forgot we Already. did that. Already. Already <laughs> forgot. Well, I had to write, we had to write a review on it. We recorded an episode on it. I'm done talking about it. Yeah, it's already moved on. I, You know, I uh, I really wanted to look up this, since Monday morning when we're recording this. Um, I, I really wanted to look up what the box office totals were because regardless of how we feel about it, if it did all right this weekend, I wanted to retweet that. I did remember seeing an article Something along the lines of dead on arrival. So I'm going to say it didn't do they great. They wrote that headline eight <laughs> months ago. That's true. Yeah, what would you say if it did well? Like, slaughtered the... You can't say that for a morgue thing. I'm not going to lie. Box like, office on ice. I don't know. Is low-hanging fruit to say dead on arrival. I also included it in it the like, episode description in our- <laughs> for our Drive Home from the Drive-In review on Patreon, if you want to hear our full thoughts. Uh, but I mean, like, in like a handful of words or less... Eh. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have much else other than that. Yeah, I mean, if you have uh, movie theater gift cards burning a hole in the in your back pocket, you don't you, feel like seeing Fantastic Beast eight or ten two, two? Right. <laughs> and you really want some popcorn. Sure, there's some really scary moments, but overall, it's just not a. It's not the most cohesive film, and it doesn't have the greatest awareness of of its own horror elements. So, I mean, most films that aren't good, at least you're like, well, it was a horror movie, and it got, there's kills, or there's scares, or this kind of doesn't nail those either, so. Some of the effects are good. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. I mean, if you're a completist like we are, you're probably going to see every movie that came out this year. Uh, and we are still burning the candle at both ends trying to finish off literally every movie that came out this year, regardless of whether or not it's going to be in our top 10. Yeah, so we're really narrowing down our picks. We're going to have our top 10. Each of us have made, are going to be making a list of our top 10 movies of 2018. We did it also last year. Uh, we should be putting out a bonus episode for you guys through the holidays, providing we can get the rest of these films fucking watched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of um, last minute cramming. It's fine, though. Yeah, if 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 you have not heard us mention your favorite movie of the year so far on the podcast, the day this drops, tweet at us. Yeah, let us know. We uh, big big surprise for me was you were never really here. The Joaquin Phoenix movie, uh, directed by Lynn Ramsey. Well, as a director, we need to talk about Kevin. Fucking loved it. So I, I'd highly recommend that if you haven't seen that yet. But yeah, so keep your eyes peeled. Uh, Throughout December, we're going to be having some more uh, of our top 10 picks. Who knows if that'll make John's list? I'd have no idea what your what yeah, your picks are. Yeah, we're waiting to we're waiting to reveal them until we record the episode so there can be like real life gasps. I think we both have a pretty good idea what each of our lists are going to be. Yeah. But I think we're both going to be surprised. We you know what we should do? We should write down what we what think, we the, think others. the other person's list is. Yeah. What if I wrote, yeah, but for you, I, I kind of just want to write the same movie five times. That's cheating. <laughs> yeah, well, You'll be right once. Exactly. <laughs> Other than that, before we get into the show, I just want to give a big shout out to our most recent patrons, Emily, Maxwell, and Will, uh, the, uh, their own terrible triplety twin. Triplets? Yeah. <laughs> They're roaming the countryside right now, taking over cabins. Murdering people and supporting podcasts they like. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of pocket change left over in the glove box or the cigarette ashtray. Throughout the car of the people you've killed. And I'm really, you know, uh, blood money's not great, but I... We'll take it. Yeah, you know... (laughs) 
Thank you guys so much for your support. If you want to pledge Nightmare on Film Street for as low as $2 a month, you can unlock some really cool rewards, uh, bonus episodes, and a whole bunch of stuff. That's at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. But I think it's time to talk about terrible, wait, what is this episode called? Triple It Threats. Beginning with Dark Castle's, no, I'm, I'm going to rephrase that. <laughs> Beginning with Paris Hilton's House of Wax. Is anybody? No, nobody. Hello? I don't think anyone's here. Hey, there's that house of wax. It is wax. Literally. This is weird. Looks like a hell of a party. Look how detailed this is. Tell me this doesn't look real. You're saying that that's a real person underneath? They're all wax, everyone! So, House of Wax from 2005, currently sitting at a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes, 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and Roger Ebert gave it a 2 out of 4. Now, surprisingly, John had not seen this film prior to us watching it for the podcast. Nope. Which is crazy because this came out during the weird, there was this like slasher resurgence, but they were these weird sort of hyper fast, super stylized, gory. Airbrushed. <laughs> well, they, they just, we'd optimized the horror formula at that point and they were just delivering them fast and furious. And then you got a whole bunch of these Dark Castle films, which uh, House of Wax is right there in the middle. Yeah, of the Platinum Dunes, Dark Castle stuff, I think this is the only one I haven't seen. I, I don't know why, but if I think back to cynical high school me, just the curmudgeon that I was back then, it's probably because Paris Hilton was in it. I think this was my rebellion against the whole Paris Hilton craze was not seeing this movie. But I also don't have a memory of even thinking that. I, For whatever reason, I just never saw this one. I don't know that I missed a lot. I disagree. Maybe, I, okay, maybe I would have more <laughs> of an appreciation for this movie if I saw it back in 2005, but I didn't, so here I am. Yeah, but all of these movies just feel so early 2000s. Don't you have that kind of feeling when you watch it? Like, don't you see what you see in uh, House on Haunted Hill and in 13 Ghosts in this film? Absolutely. And I mean, it is, it, it, it hits all the beats of like every guilty pleasure movie that I love. So maybe I'd have some small nostalgic feeling for it but i don't love this movie john you do okay yeah <laughs> just cram it down my eyeballs but it, you know what you you do make an interesting point because this i would say is the loosest of the dark castle william castle remakes this one is kind of a remake of house of wax which we did cover previously in the podcast the 1963 Hell, I think it might have been earlier than that. Uh, 1950-something. Uh, House of Wax, which we, yeah, we did cover previously. Uh, this is a really loose remake. It's kind of only a remake in name. They're both based off source material. I think there was a 1933 film and then also a short story. Hmm. But this film does take 
quite a few liberties. I was thinking the same thing, actually. Uh, and it's one of the notes that I wrote down because House on Haunted Hill is very, you know, very different from the original, but pretty follows pretty closely. I guess 13 Ghosts is also kind of a, like a weird step sideways from what that original source material was like. But in this, you're right. It's just, yes, there is a house There's wax of figures wax, in there. <laughs> and that's that, That's it. That's all that's anything close to the original. Yeah. Even the what that house of wax is, is completely different. Yeah, and like the setting and every, everything surrounding the film is completely new to this version. Yeah, best I can remember, uh, in the 1958, I'm just going to be confident about it, I'm just going to throw that fucking number out there, <laughs> the 1958 classic, I do not remember a group of college kids driving across state to go to a football game, that was a huge liberty they took on this one, and you know, I appreciated it, but still, uh, they're driving for days to get to this football game. I, there isn't a concert I would go to that I would take me days to drive to. I don't think there was ever supposed to be a camp situation. They are driving, and for whatever reason it's taking them too long, there's that detour. And they decide to camp for the night, and they have camp gear, and then they get up the next day to go to the game. But okay, well, if there was never a plan to stop halfway through this trip, why do they even have the camp gear? Are they going to tend to- tailgating, John. Okay. Yeah, now that you mention it. No matter what, it was still two days out. Yeah, so they park in the, like, basically they find an empty lot, sort of, to park in, like a grassy knoll. I've had a... <laughs> it's perfect for camping and killing your president. Oh. And um, then despite it stinking, all of a sudden everybody's got their hands to their nose because that's how you reiterate to an audience who can't smell what you smell. Yeah. That something smells bad. And then Paris Hilton's like, smell bad. <laughs> I was... Uh, that was a Labyrinth reference. Was it? <laughs> yeah, that was Ludo. I think that might have been the first Labyrinth reference I haven't gotten. That is the... Ludo is the big werewolf monster guy. What is his... His name's Ludo. Wait, what's his species? Do we know it at the... <laughs> Leave him alone. It's Jim Henson puppet is a species. <laughs> he looks like a, a bear with a saber-toothed tiger as a mother. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. That seems really weird. Uh, because, yeah, you can't convey that something smells bad in a movie if it's something you can't see. Like, oh, the stinky winds are here. Yeah, and they're all just like, and then they just stay. Yeah. Like, smells like something died. And it's like, well, maybe go somewhere else. You pick this place like arbitrarily. Yeah. Arbit ar is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a word. <laughs> so just move. It looked like it was pretty easy to set up camp. Yeah. They were playing football in no time. Oh, my God. That was my favorite. They're like, oh, so tired. Let's just pull over. So after Paris Hilton and her boyfriend are done with their road sex, they had they missed out on an opportunity there, though. They had that. Um, they're both driving beside each other on that like one lane road. And normally when cars do that in a movie, somebody comes head on. But I guess they wanted the road to be empty. Yeah. But they made a lot of like maybe they just wanted us tense. They There were a lot of shots on the cars driving to, maybe it's just my anxiety you know when i <laughs> when things like that happen in movies i'm like no like whenever you see somebody in a car and we look at them through the driver's side window or through oh you know they're dead from the passenger side through to the driver's side oh you know that they're getting t-boned you know what's crazy is that oh a, this is the t-bone angle that's a tradition that's come from commercials i think yeah we see it in movies a lot but i see that more do you have kinetics <laughs> 
I love those scenes in movies where dudes just start playing football because it's it's always exactly the same. He pulls out the football like, oh, hey, look what I just found. And then he tosses it. And it's almost like it's infectious. Like, oh, my God, I just caught a football. This is incredible. And he tosses it to somebody else like, oh, we're having a great time. It doesn't make any sense. But they pulled over because it was so late. So I figure when 20-somethings cannot possibly drive anymore. They drink. And they pull over. It's at least 2 in the morning. Oh, good point. Or after midnight. Like, they should have enough time to set up camp and collapse in their tents. Well, to be fair, to be fair, they wake up the next day and... (laughs) And, the, and Blake announces to everyone still asleep, guys, wake up. It's 2.30. What? So I think it was 2 in the morning when they pulled over. That's insane. That is insane. How, I don't think a single person in the history of camping has slept past noon. It's impossible. It you got is like impossible. that fresh morning air, Fre- the humid hot, morning gross air. tent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. I, I hate camping. <laughs> And, you know, no matter what you... Oh, no, this is the right spot to put a tent. This is the the flat spot. It's up high. We're not going to get water. Everything's wet. Everything's gross. Everything hurts. Your air mattress is deflated. Yeah, and worst of all, somebody's cut your fan belt. And there's dirt. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is me trying to progress the podcast here. Sorry, I was just complaining about camping. Why did the... Okay, so in the middle of the night, a guy in a truck comes, and it's really sinister. But you can't really see because he's got his head full... Headlight. He might have headphones on. We couldn't see, but he's just staring at them, and we could tell he's got he's got scars on his wrists, just like the the baby did in the cold open of the movie. What is that cold open? How did we forget? That is a weird cold open. Yeah. So two terrible parents are trying to feed their kids and also make wax figures. Yeah, they're doing like death masks for breakfast, <laughs> and one kid's not having any of it, so we gotta strap them down and then duct tape the straps. And then there's like blood coming out, and you're just like, no. Mm, this is terrible. House of wax. But then it's like, well, can't you be like your brother? And then there's one or another baby in another high chair, and just he's just like chill. eating his Cheerios all like cool, no problem, no beans. So clearly this is the guy that is watching them from the pickup truck. Definitely the same guy that cut that fan belt, leaving half of them stranded. So while the boys are all standing around the car and trying to figure out what's gone wrong, the girls are like, let's go and find out what stinks so bad. (laughs) So the girls go off into the woods. And, oh, we forgot to talk about Paris Hilton's pregnancy moment. There's too much happening at the it's beginning so of this good, movie, though. guys. As soon as they park, literally the second they are out of the truck, the girls are rounding the truck, just like having a little whisper talk. And Parasillon's like, I don't know if I can tell him yet. Uh, and then Alicia Cuthbert's character is like, no, you should tell him. You, you should just like let him know. And she's like, well, I've been late before. And then it was just the most ham-fisted character development moment I have ever. I have ever seen. Well, it also ever seen it also comes after movie. that gag where they think that she is giving her boyfriend a blowjob while they're driving, which is where she found her lip balm. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "You can't do that. You haven't told him you're pregnant yet." And you're like, "What? Those two things are completely unrelated." First off, second, this was a weird way to bring this up. Yeah, it was so weird because they just so they're camping. It's not the the greatest situation, but we have to have this little side pregnancy talk. For no reason. And no then they just go back all. to the rest of the movie and we never bring it up again. No, it doesn't. Well, until we'll talk about when it comes up again later. I guess. Um, so the girls are walking in the woods and... Sorry, I'm going to say their actual character names. That's fine. Um, so Jesse... No, that's the wrong, <laughs> that's the wrong movie. Um, so Carly is uh, Alicia Cuthbert's character. Mm-hmm. So Carly and Paige. Paige is Paris Hilton. 
They are walking through the woods. Carly slips on something. She falls down a sort of cliff hilly thing that you know that exists in the woods and lands face first you know how woods do (laughs) face first in a pile of animal carcasses yeah and can't get out it's like a lake of roadkill but she's literally like i've fallen and i can't get up and because paris hilton (laughs) is who her character is she just like stands there oh no (laughs) i can't i'm with child So the guys come and rescue her, basically. Yeah. And then Chad Michael Murray, who is Carly's brother, yeah. her twin brother, we find are out. Are they twins? They are twins. Okay. They, they say twins. Yeah. He takes off his tank top and gives it to her because hers is covered in, like, animal hooves. <laughs> you know, when the smelly winds first showed up. <laughs> smelly winds. <laughs> came rolling <laughs> from across the bay <laughs> I couldn't even finish it <laughs> yeah, I'm really proud that you knew right away though because I literally had to stop oh I don't mess around with my Frank Sinatra references or uh, my Simpsons references exactly yep that's right anything goes here yeah, when I first, uh, when those smelly winds first <laughs> rolled in from across the bay, I really thought it was going to be the House of Wax. I thought it was that they were taking human people oh, that would and good. using human fat to make the tallow for the, wait, that's Fight Club, that's soap. You can't, you can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> See, in 2005, I was, this is I was, going good. <laughs> I was busy watching another movie. There were forks in our lives and you took tallow soap and I took human candles. I mean, unfortunately, the, the, me, like a lot of boys in high school, chose Fight Club over anything else. And it was a mistake we all made. And we're all okay with it now. We're better people. Um, <laughs> but we did watch it every single night for five years. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like human fat that they had rendered. That's a great, that's a wonderful idea. Right? And also, couldn't they have just done that with the animals too? Why have this like soupy mix of deer and and raccoons? Couldn't they have just, you know what really bugs me about this movie is that it's, it is just wax. It's just regular wax, but dead people. Like, why aren't they melting people down? I don't get it. My biggest question, so we learn that there's this like landlocked ghost town, which we'll get to. We're going to get there. Mm. But my my biggest concern when the movie ended, I was like, how are they importing all this wax? Some, yeah, that had to tip somebody off, right? There's obviously a truck driver that they have spared. Yeah, at the... Because <laughs> it's not like you can just dig for wax. It doesn't just <laughs> occur in nature. See, that's what I was expecting a scene maybe of them like harvesting bees or something. I cannot imagine how many bees you would need. A lot of bees. A lot of bees. There's that would a whole, have been so cool. There's a whole though. museum made literally wax. The walls are wax. The stairs are wax. The bed is wax. Yeah. That's a lot of wax. That's a lot of wax. What is it? What do they do in the summer months? Because may I remind you oh, that yeah, despite should... <laughs> the fact that they are wearing tank tops this whole movie, it's winter time. It is winter And they're time. in New York State. <laughs> it starts to get dark and she's like, man, I hate that it's winter. And she's like sweating in a tank top. I mean, she's missing part of her finger, but I still hate her. <laughs> Everybody, Everybody's walking around in not enough clothing for even the fall, but it's apparently winter. Well, they're probably, they're probably in somewhere warm. No, it's New York State. Oh. Yeah, they're like driving a buffalo for the game or something. What? 
Um, yeah, they're, <laughs> they they are in our climate. No. Yeah. How dare they? And I think the I think it's a throwaway line they have in it because at some point after weeks of filming and sitting in the editing bay, somebody said, "Hey, wait a minute! Wouldn't this fucking house melt in direct sunlight?" So he just built everything's dusty in there. I am a hundred percent sure he's been working on this for at least a decade. It's this his, is, it's his life's work. Yeah, that, that house of wax. But it, he, he's got to tear it down and rebuild it every year <laughs> because it would melt. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was all butter instead? <laughs> <laughs> it would be so much less macabre. <laughs> it was butter. <laughs> what? There's. So where are we? So, um, so Carly's just been turned right side up out of the carcasses. Yeah. And while they're still all just standing there staring at this maybe hand protruding from the pile of deer sick. Yeah, one of the colorful yokels shows up with another piece of deer sick. And he dumps it in the deer sick. <laughs> Who are we today? <laughs> I don't know. This episode's going to be 10 minutes longer than normal, and it's just going to be because of laughter. Yeah, most likely. So instead of like a harbinger, we just have like a weird town yokel. Not uncommon in horror movies, of course. And, you know, he's he's very strange, really weird, covered in roadkill. His entire truck, all of his clothes. But he offers, he offers Wade and Carly uh, a ride over to the gas station in town to pick up a new fan belt. Just around the bend, not very far. Wouldn't be any trouble. So one half leave, which seems like a weird mistake. It is such a weird pacing thing because we we actually go to them in their car, stuck in traffic, attempting to leave the movie. They're trying to drive right out of the movie. <laughs> like, you know what? I, I think we can race right out of this plot if we just drive fast enough. <laughs> just drive off the page. And then they get and then they get hung up in development. <laughs> and they're like, no, Paris Hilton's the draw. She has to stay in the movie. So yeah, against all wishes, they circle back, they take a few notes. <laughs> they head back to the grass. Yeah, and they drive that Cadillac Escalade right back to the producers. So they're back at the grass while uh, Carly and Wade are in the stinkmobile driving to the alleged town up the road. There's an issue in this movie with time because he says gas station's just up the road. He drives them just up the road, and it takes takes a roughly a just up the road amount of time to get there. Mm-hmm. But later in the movie, brother Nick and his dumb friend Dalton are driving back into town to pick them up. It takes them hours to get there. It does take forever. I don't. So they end up at this like sort of like rocky, creaky area, and the creepy hillbilly guy is like, "Let me put some chains on the tires or whatever you do," <laughs> and. They're all sufficiently creeped out because he's got like hooves hanging from his rear view. And a gigantic knife that he's just like, look at this knife. Even though he's cut through anything. Like carcasses, his job. (laughs) And they're like, no, we need to leave. So they they, uh, sufficiently insult him. And then they cross the rocky path and they walk up and turn the bend. And oh, there's actually a town there. He wasn't lying. He was completely honest the whole time. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Shouldn't have fucking been such snobby you can't even call them city kids that's the weirdest part because they're small town kids are they yeah that's that half the so the b plot of this movie that nobody ever talks about is that nobody you haven't even seen this movie before john you are just joining the conversation no sorry when i (laughs) 
I mean, nobody in the movie talks about this. Oh. It's mentioned very briefly up top, and that's it. We just completely ditch it. So Carly and Paige, definitely Carly, are planning on moving into the city, and going to see this football game is also a way for them to go look at apartments and see if they can maybe find a place at the city. At the very least, Carly's going, and she hopes her boyfriend might come. Aren't they in school? I think they're just finishing school. I think she's probably planning on applying to NYU. Oh. Would be my best guess. So then they're high school kids. I guess so. I feel like they're older. Maybe it's the... Who knows? Maybe she's switching. Maybe she's changing majors. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. They have driver's license. So they're at least 17. Congratulations. At the very least, they're 17. (laughs) Um, They're small town people, and they're making fun of this other small town. Like they've never been to a tiny town before. It is kind of adorable, though. It's just a main street. There's a teeny tiny little gas station. There's a little pet store. There's a weird military store. And then there's a house of wax. Which every small town has. Yeah, yep. You need your tourist attraction for those towns that aren't on the map. Yep. If you ain't going to have yourself biggest ball of hay, you're going to need yourself a house of wax. <laughs> Made of wax. Yeah. And uh, as all small towns do, right in the center, nice old church. And when they can't find anybody at the gas station, they walk into the church hoping to ask for directions to another fan belt store when they interrupt a funeral currently in progress. And then they're like, oh shit, so they run outside and then some guy comes out to be like, you guys are assholes. How dare you interrupt the funeral of the gas station owner? Yeah, he, he storms back in. He's gone for maybe 30 seconds and then he comes back out to apologize. And, you know, like, we'll be finishing up soon. Y'all want to just wait over there at the gas station? I'll, uh, I'll come pick you up, get your fan belt, get you back on the road. So they do what any meandering 17 to 24-year-olds do when they have nothing but time. They go visit the attractions, even when the attractions say that they're closed. Yeah, so what's interesting, uh, that, that guy who they, they, they bump into at the church owns the gas station. He's left the gas station completely unlocked. It's and, open. Yeah, and they're uncomfortable about going in. It's a business. The door should be unlocked. Maybe he's in the bathroom, right? Whatever. Don't feel weird about walking into a business if the door is unlocked during business hours. But when you go to a house of wax that says, been closed for 10 years, don't come in. Regardless of whether that door's unlocked or not, stay the fuck away. Yeah, I think the kinder, smarter decision in this scenario would have been to just go in the gas station, grab whatever you needed, and put the money on the counter. Yeah. Small town, he left the door open. That's what I would assume was operating policy there. Oh, if like he left it's an the honor system open, store? If you, you would lock the door if you didn't want people doing that. That's really true. His boyfriend's a dick, right? I think yeah. we can agree. His boyfriend's an asshole. Really? What you, oh, okay. So he he's like, let's just break into this house of wax. No big deal. He's kind of a jerk to everybody he meets. But secondly, he starts trying to light all of the wax figurines on fire. He's like, oh, you're, let's melt them a little bit. You're really putting so much weight on that single action. I think he's just like, I think everything is wax. I think he's, I think he's just an idiot. Because the, the asshole is her brother. I wish I had it. Well, yeah, he's he's a classic he's, asshole. He's the character we're writing as the asshole because he's the um, the real surprise protagonist because the boyfriend dies right away. Yeah, he's the first to go. Yeah, and he gets waxed like so. This this wax, house of wax has the fastest turnaround of a sculptor <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Later on that day, the boyfriend is not only is he waxed, but then he's sculpted down. He's got hair laid. Everything is done. 
and he's into the he's back into the museum. He's they've staged him at the piano. Fully done. Complete. Um, um, and not, and hardened wax. Not even warm. That's a good point. Well, I guess it is a little They soft. did it so fast that he is still alive inside. Yeah. That was a really cool moment. I like that, too. I really. That, I think that's probably my favorite moment of the movie. Don't when his eyes think? move. And yeah. then uh, Buddy's like, I'll get you out. And then he starts peeling his skin because it's burnt to the wax. Yeah, that's true. They Yuck. bump into it. Like, his whole fucking cheek just, like, breaks off and the skin's all gone. And then he can't even scream. He's yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. Don't you think the waxing process would kill them, though? Probably, but this is a film, and um, they don't know what season's winner is like, so <laughs> I'm going to say that they get a pass on the wax. So the, the director of this movie uh, went on to direct The Orphan, a good handful of Liam Neeson movies, and is doing the new uh, Disney adaptation of The Jungle Ride. Oh, like the, oh, is that with The Rock or whatever? Yeah, with The Rock. Yeah, you can just assume he's going to be in all those. <laughs> <laughs> What? There's CGI tigers in it. We need to call The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> only one man can handle this. He's the only human that can battle CGI tigers. Now, when we say fastest turnaround time on a wax figurine, you're right. They they, they wax his, uh, like, wax like you're at the salon. They wax his entire face of hair because they got to put fresh hair back on. But wouldn't you only really need to, like, wax, polish, and sculpt the areas you're going to see? Because they put a whole suit on him. He's all dressed. Like, realistically, you just kind of need to do, like, a bust and some hands. Yeah, but when we open on the on the grown-up boys doing their wax thingy, they're definitely sculpting a boob, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. With, like, a perfect nipple. And it's like, this isn't Barbie rules. <laughs> I wish I knew more about Barbies. I could make a better joke right now. They don't have anatomy. Yeah, well, I know that much. Or be- folding elbows folding <laughs> bending Didn't, wasn't that like one of the big things that they could do they, they were oppose opposable is that the yeah but like minimally she has her uh. arm always crooked so she can hold a purse or her boyfriend's <laughs> arm well he saves the day as an astronaut she could do the two things a woman's arm is supposed to do <laughs> i would also like to point out that it takes an eternity for that boyfriend to get kidnapped yeah and she doesn't get rolling on this movie very quick yeah because so guy comes out of the guy comes out of the funeral they're at the gas station. They don't have the right size. So he's like, come over to the house. I have them at the house. And we're like, okay. And they all go up to the house. Never a good idea. Wade, the boyfriend, has to go pee. So they both go inside. Carly, because she's the only person here with brain cells, is like, I'm going to wait in the car. And she waits in the car for like a good hour. <laughs> yeah, the sun has gone down. And uh, you got to assume if he was gone for more than two or three minutes, you'd start getting suspicious. Yeah, but so Wade gets... um his Achilles tendon cut, la la la. Some with gu- scissors. Some guy with a weird wax mask and some long stringy black hair basically turns him into the wax figure. Meanwhile, outside, Carly realizes that the truck that she's sitting in, the one that's going to drive her back down to her friends, is the car that they saw the night before because the headlight is smashed out, which her brother threw a football or a rock or something at it. Beer bottle. Uh. Like a real punk. <laughs> um, so yeah. So she's like, oh shit. Uh, and then there's some weird car action. Yeah, I think at that point she gets away. She hides in the church where she discovers that all of these people are, like, everybody in the church wasn't there for a real funeral. They were all wax figures this whole time. And when uh, when she bumps into one of them and their arm falls off, and it's definitely a real arm underneath there, uh, she realizes that all of these people are actually corpses. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, and you know what's interesting uh, is that the movie holds back on telling you that for a little while longer. 
there are more moments in this movie where there are people in the town and i think they the movie thinks that you're not a hundred percent up to speed i was surprised at that old lady john were you yes she, I thought she was like the saving grace, like the one nosy neighbor that was left. Oh, okay. Because by the time, after that scene where she's in the church, I just kind of, the next time I saw her in the wind, I go, oh, she's rigged up too. Uh-huh. But like, they didn't reveal that. It wasn't until like another half hour later. But that's cool. I'm glad it worked on you. But I was like 14. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so there's that, you know. Eventually the brother finally gets there. Yeah, finally. And, uh... You know, luckily he's a badass because he he realizes pretty quickly that this guy has his sister kidnapped and, and like under the underneath the gas station. Uh, and he fisticuffs, fisticuffs him a little bit and uh, makes his way down there to rescue her. Yeah, but by this point, like her fingers been cut off and he had super glued her mouth shut and she had to peel it open to call so that the brother Just could a, hear. A weird move. Yeah, it was an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it looked cool when she had to, like, peel her own mouth out and stuff. But... I was like, that's going to damage the, the ultimate wax figure of her that they want to create. <laughs> Don't you think they'd be worried about the kills that they're doing? Because they, um, they cut Dalton's head off. That's the one thing I thought that, that was a little strange. Um, I mean, not that they can't, like, prosthetic it prosthetic it back on but you would think maybe just like mole wax (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i was thinking like stab wounds and stuff easy to cover over no one's gonna see a stab wound really no big deal you loved that kill by the way i did love that kill i like that hallway they had this cool heads of wax hallway in the house of wax oh i don't even know if it was just heads there was like all kinds of stuff going on there was candles it was like ceremonial and i stuff. completely forgot about it was that. very spooky hallway yeah they, they didn't show it enough until it was like all melty and stuff but um there were a few scenes in that hallway and i really liked it spooky i don't know that i have much else to talk about other than paris hilton's death and the end of the movie yeah so what so, order do you want to do this well, we, <laughs> we haven't really talked about paris hilton at all and I think we kind of have to to pay uh, some lip service to her big acting attempt. Yeah, because in this uh, when this movie came out, I th- I don't think anybody would have slapped your wrist if you said Paris Hilton's House of Wax. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she on the cover? Like that's her, or at least her likeness is on the cover. I don't know. It's a girl. It stars Paris Hilton. I think everybody just assumes. Yeah, and it's also interesting, too, that there's really only two girls in this movie. Very. I was surprised that there was, like, two to four, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, two girls, uh, the boyfriends, and then two dummies. Yeah. Essentially, it's three couples. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is kind of three couples. Yeah, because instead of having a third couple, they have this brother angle, because it's twins versus twins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just a side note, Paris Hilton is actually really, really bad in this. I, I don't think that's a hot take or a surprise or anything, but there's And just... we've seen, like, we've seen her be good in other stuff. She's she's okay in uh, Repo the Genetic Opera, but yeah. she has very little to do in that, in terms of acting. It's a perfect fit. Yep. But in this, there's just a... She's got her lines and everything. She memorized them, and I, I will give her <laughs> kudos to that. She showed up, she hit her marks, and she said her lines. Yeah, there's just a complete, like, awareness of where the camera is, like, in her body. You know what I mean? And you know what? If I had to act, that would be me acting. I would be completely aware that there was a camera on me, and you would see it in my posture. Um, but I'm not trying to do it to make money, so... <laughs> Although, I guess she isn't either. That's a really good point. Why did she even do this... 
I guess if you... An activity? Yeah. (laughs) That was like the equivalent for her of going to a new grocery store. (laughs) 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 Like, that's what rich, famous people do. They're like, I'm just going to be in a movie, I think. (laughs) And we're like, let's go to Whole Foods. (laughs) The, The real test here that I had not seen this movie was that... Paris Hilton death scene. Yeah, like, I wasn't even aware of what it was. Like, oh, surely you know the death scene. Like, nope, haven't seen it. Don't know anything about it. I'm sure somebody told me about it at some point, but just, uh, nope, my, I'm a I'm a clean slate on this movie. Yeah, whenever that that uh, this movie comes up, this is the scene that everybody talks about. And maybe it's because everybody dislikes Paris Hilton, and yeah. this is, like, her comeuppance scene, even though she's not a bad, her character isn't a bad person. She just doesn't have any other than... Being the character that's supposed to have sex, but she's got too much um, notoriety to actually do that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just does like a sort of sexy strip tease and then decides right as they're about to get down that she's going to tell her boyfriend that she's maybe almost pregnant. Worst time to do it. <laughs> Literally after a strip tease and they're lying down half naked and she's like, I have to tell you something. Yeah, you know, if if that was something you wanted to say... It would have been before the striptease. At yeah. the very they least. They were alone. They were left alone at the camp. And they're like, cool, we're going to take advantage of this. We're going to have sex. We cut back to them several times and they haven't done anything. Not that, like, she hasn't told him she's pregnant. He hasn't gotten her into the tent yet. They're just sitting there, like, by the fire that is, I don't even think is lit. And it's just like, you guys have spent three hours just, are you talking? I don't think that these two have anything in common. <laughs> no, not really. And he definitely seems to love that car a lot more than he likes her. Oh, yeah, there was that scene in the beginning. Yeah, like, he's not even doing anything in the car. He's just <laughs> sitting and pressing buttons like, ooh, yeah, mm, love it, yeah, so fucking cool. <laughs> he's like but, that, too, though, when she's doing her strip tease. He's just like, mm, yeah, so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's really not a whole lot left in this movie. We gotta talk about Paris Hilton dying. Okay, yeah, she gets a pole in the face. But... So, I remembered this scene. This is probably one of the only things I remember about this movie before watching. And I do not remember a garage-type area where there's a bunch of cars and an interior space. And we were at the town, and we were watching all that stuff. And I was like, they don't have a garage here. So I'm like, where the fuck does Paris Hilton die? They are right next to the car dies. And they are within yards to this warehousey type facility that definitely has a bunch of cars in it that I'm sure they could have harvested parts from or whatever. So had these teenagers just walked around the area they were camping in, they would never have needed to go to that town. And from what I recall, it's the old sugar mill that shut down that wiped out all business and prosperity of that whole town because if you're gonna rip off the texas chainsaw massacre you gotta rip it all off (laughs) right exactly we need a big industry that's had a huge change that's decimated the local people yeah well people also say that this is very tourist trappy and i will agree that it is also very tourist trappy probably just because he's wearing a mask the whole goddamn time but i argue is paris hilton in those That's what really sets them apart. Yeah, so she gets a pole in the face. Uh, she's actually really good in that scene. I I can't complain. It's just her dialogue, I think, is what I hate. Okay. She's She's not bad in the um, Paris Hilton death scene. <laughs> you can't even say in her death scene. You just have to say the Paris Hilton death scene. It'd be like if you met Bill Murray, and he's like, please call me Bill. And you're like, yes, Bill Murray. <laughs> like, you'd never be able to just say Bill. I mean, from there, all we really have left is uh, is a big final showdown. Where Carly knows way too much about the two characters just from, like, photos and two high chairs she found in the House of Wax in the, like, 30 seconds she walked through it. Yeah, how did she learn all that shit? 
She insinuated a lot of information. She knew their names. She knew everything about them. Like, your mother was a... Uh, the great wax sculptor and you know the, the two of you were born and you were disfigured and it's not your fault and, <laughs> this and, that, uh, and that's also assuming that this guy who told you all that info is telling the truth it could have just been a huge lie or fabrication because he's one of, of those wax. twins oh. yeah <laughs> but yeah so they defeat the wax people we find out the whole house is actually of wax which i don't know we knew but that at that point but we sure do when it's on fire well when they when they first show up uh, dumb boyfriend guy like scrapes the front entry with his key and he's like everything's wax <laughs> and I, it's wax I guess I just assumed that there was a layer of wax yeah I thought it was just like a nice wax coating because that's also effect. yeah that, that's also what they're doing to these people they're just putting a thin wax coating on them yeah so the the, the wax figures can be coated but the house is all wax oh There's... every step of the stairs is wax the floor you know the only thing that they kept though the floorboards because you need some sort of structural integrity. When we see the floor finally give out, we do still see beams going across the way. There were a couple. There were a couple. Oh, so you <laughs> You think the entire thing was waxed? You think those are just harder, Wax stiffer beams. waxers? Oh, okay. <laughs> those yeah. are wicks. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. There is a lot of dumb stuff, though. So the fire's really raging. The main floor is melting. So they do what, what you do is instead of trying to get to the wax exit you go the, up the wax stairs to the wax bedrooms on the second floor and it's like what <sighs> and the whole time they're fighting um what's his name victor or yeah vincent yeah i don't mean to wax intellectual here but i really do think we probably should have headed for the front door i'm sorry i just wanted to say that uh. <laughs> i had nothing to say there's some great shots in it, though, right? Because they barricade themselves in the room. They push the... Oh, that is fucking good. It is really oh, good. I forgot. So they push the crib. The wax... I can't... I'm having a hard time not saying wax before everything. I'm like, <laughs> they close the wax door. They push the wax crib in front of the wax door. And it door. slides because the ground is wax and yes, it's melting. exactly. And we've got a wax sculpture of two twins who are joined at the face. Siamese twins, in fact. Uh, and when he cuts through the wax door Which with a really non-wax smart. knife... Sorry, it's really smart when he cuts through the door. Because you're like, oh, yeah, it is just a wax door. It's genius, yeah. Because he could pull it apart with his hands if he wanted to. But when he cuts down, he cuts through the Siamese figure, splitting the two twins. Yeah. It's pretty great. It was really good. So worth it. Yeah. I would watch that movie again for that moment. It was pretty good. Yeah. And I don't remember too much else about the fight they sequence there. They stab him in the bed and stuff. Is that what they do? Yeah. Okay. And then he... Okay. So right before that too. I'm sorry that we're all over the place, guys. But um, the first brother gets killed. And his body uh, is laying dead on the floor. And it starts to sink into the floor like he's just going down into the earth. Because everything's melting underneath him. So everybody's defeated. Yeah. Twins are vanquished. Yeah. They, they fall on top of each other and smush... In death as they were in birth. <laughs> They're conjoined in whatever. Yeah. you know, <laughs> Poems. <laughs> they crawl their way out of the house, which at this point... They're scraping through the melty walls because they've waited way too long and there's no more exits left. So the two remaining twins who've defeated and vanquished the, the evil twins are digging out and... I thought they were on the main floor at this point, but they're definitely not because they come out like in the the, the house of wax of, yeah. lettering and then it all kind of collapses in this terrible CGI and then they're like, they conveniently like end up on the sidewalk. Yeah, and then they just hang around until the fire department sees smoke from miles away. Everybody shows up, wax a few bandages on them and sends them on their way. 
Yeah, and the police officer does that whole, like, we wouldn't have even known this town was here if you guys hadn't created all that smoke and fire. Dude, don't you love it when the cops show up and just reiterate the entire movie? Like, <laughs> well, if we hadn't have been come here, we wouldn't have realized that for the last 10 years they've been killing people, waxing them, and making them look like real people. Pretty fucking freaky, if you ask me. Really creepy. Yeah, that's what I said to Philly the day. I said it's pretty creepy. But I do have to say... The whole pretense that you guys were living on this film, you know, that there's two evil twins. Well, I have to say that there are three brothers. Oh, man, that's so great. <laughs> like, they're driving away like, oh, hey, chief, remember how we thought there were twins? Turns out that the, the Keyneses, they had a they had a third baby. Just in enough time to see that hillbilly who was giving them a ride into town feeding a car feeding some dog from the beginning of the movie a carcass that he found on the side of the road. Smiles a buck tooth smile at him, waves him off. And we realize that the terror has only just begun. But my argument there is that we knew he was bad all along. The second we realized that this town that he took them to is not a real town and is instead a giant wax museum, and he's aware of it and he took these people there, he's clearly in on the shenanigans. I almost thought at the beginning when he first showed up that he knew there was something evil in the town, but if he, like, rolled in with them... Not, not that, you know, like they... Here's that... a nice offering. Please let me have your deer carcasses. <laughs> well, not even that. Just to, like, <laughs> I'll drive you to the gas station and we'll get a fan belt and I'll drive you back. It's kind of like having a chaperone. Mm. But because they were mean to him, he's like, all right, fine. Go on your own then. Okay. Hope you know how to fight and don't feel like keeping all your fingers. That's an interesting take. That's definitely not exactly what it was. No. Nope. No. He was definitely just, like, giving his brothers some more art. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that wasn't a decision that was made based on hype, right? I got to assume that the there was no plan for that whatsoever because none of the other movies are left open for sequels. But because, you know, maybe star power with Paris Hilton or whatever, even though she doesn't make it through to the end, and just general buzz, there was an idea that, oh, this movie might make bank. Let's try and leave it open for a House of Wax too. Well, I think this one, too, was the closest to a slasher formula. Mm. 13 Ghosts couldn't have had a sequel. Yeah. Um... House, it, House on Haunted Hill, you can't really sequel that. They did. did, and it was yeah. interesting. We I, tried to watch it, remember? And we were like, what is this? Yeah, I think it was one day, it's like, let's have a few drinks and watch this dumb movie. And then after a few drinks, we're like, this movie's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Turned it off. <laughs> we got belligerent. <laughs> okay, so what is your rating on House of Wax? It's a one out of four. Maybe you know, you know, you know. <laughs> That's not fair. That's not fair. Um, man, there were some good shots in this. Uh, I gotta go 1.5 out of 4 on this. 2 out of... I don't... Nothing <laughs> feels right. Nothing feels right. It's not a good movie. It exists in that bubble. Like, it is... It is not on the spectrum of regular horror. <laughs> yeah, but how remove... You can't, but I mean... It's not a parody nostalgia. either. It's not a parody it's not meta. It's almost both of those. <laughs> I'm giving it a two out of four. It's not as good as I remember it being. Like it didn't. It didn't. Uh, didn't hold a candle to my waxy expectations. <laughs> but uh, it was still pretty okay. Also, I liked that little town. It was cute. I'm giving House of Wax a one point five out of four. I'm sorry. I have no nostalgia for it. It's got some cool stuff in there, but I just I did not enjoy it. Moving on, let's talk about Wrong Turn from 2003. Hello? 
We're looking for a phone. So wrong turn, currently sitting at a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 41% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 2.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and a 32% rating on Metacritic. So I don't, <laughs> I didn't remember this movie like at all. I rented it when it came out because I had an Eliza Dushku thing and... Still do. Still do. Uh, <laughs> although like, what? Dollhouse. Mm. <laughs> is that a one syllable review of dollhouse <laughs> and then she was in that like haunted facility sort of movie and that was yeah, I mean, I, when she kicks butt she kicks butt she's a cool character cause she's got this like badassery um like ingrained in everything she does because i think that's just you know typecasting okay. but, yeah I, this is one of the first movies that like i rented myself and I was really proud because I walked from my house to the movie store by myself. And I like, maybe I broke my bike or something and I locked on my back. And then I rented this. So fucking cool. Yep. And then I rented this scary movie. You and popped then the I... collar in your little uh, <laughs> preschool jean jacket while you were doing it. And then I drove it home on my back. <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting movie. It, it, did you see it when it came out? Nope. Which is weird because it has spawned six sequels yeah and some also some fake trailers for a seventh movie on youtube <laughs> yeah so sorry five sequels there's two this is the official count two sequels and five two sequels and five <laughs> prequels you've done the research you've written it down you're still surprised <laughs> by it <laughs> oh man no honestly like house of wax uh i had not seen this movie before uh before yesterday i don't know why i thought i thought i had seen this movie i don't know what i'm confusing it with but at the very least i've seen parts of it i had never seen it from beginning to end these are actually pretty we were having a hard time pairing um these movies together we but we wanted to talk about both of, well i guess i had because john hadn't seen them but yeah. i'd wanted to talk about both of them for a while finally we just paired them together which actually turned out to be a kind of a good idea because it was sort of weird families versus college tourists <laughs> yeah. i mean at least one of these movies is up front about having triplets that's true and they both have these like they're not great movies as a whole but they have some really interesting uh shots particularly and what i really want to talk about which is probably going to be my only point of this whole segment of the podcast is there is no typical slasher opening in this we get a cold open which is totally cool yeah totally fine we have these two um mount i was gonna say hitchhikers hitchhiking up a There's mountain hitchhiking up a mountain <laughs> the mountain climbers climbing up a mountain they get killed by these inbred mountain men i don't think we see them there do we no but there's a bunch of there's like, some gruff hands and stuff yeah with like the longest opening credits ever right so goddamn long these opening credits we're just 
thumbing through newspaper after newspaper, but like, oh, inbred hillbillies, legend, these cannibals that live in the mountain, maybe they got super strength, maybe they're super crazy, we don't know, no one's ever survived to tell the tale. But it goes on for eight and a half minutes. And instead of following this group of college kids who we're going to bump into, we instead follow businessman Chris, who for some reason is in the backwoods. There's traffic on the highway. He's like, fuck it, I'm getting off. He goes to a sketchy gas station. I gotta be somewhere by 7 o'clock tonight. I can't be late. And uh, so he looks at a map on the outside of the gas station. He decides to take Bear Mountain Road uh, because it looks like it leads back to the highway. Yeah, and a very unhelpful man with only two teeth told him that he could. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, so he's driving down Bear Mountain Road. He sees a carcass on the side of the road, and then boom, he crashes into the car of a bunch of college kids. Yeah, so it's interesting because you're right. We don't have a moment where a group of kids getting to know everybody, uh, where they stop at a gas station and are sort of warned about not going into the, the, yeah. the forest. We have no kind of, there's that normally like a peaceful few minutes where, where everybody's having fun and everybody's, we, we learn where everybody's going. We learn everybody's archetypes. Yeah. Uh, who's with who. Who's we don't even, dating who. We don't even movie. get that from Chris. All we know is that he needs to be somewhere. We don't know anything about his character. He's just got a nice car. And it's not as though later in the movie there's some big gigantic reveal. We just find out that he's a doctor. Yeah, and the weirdest thing too is that none of the characters get any type of profession or anything. They don't have any ambitions beyond... No, there's nothing. No, one of them is engaged. Well, so yeah, two characters are engaged. We find out uh, Eliza Dushku's character was just broken up with, and that's why they were on this road trip. They were trying to cheer her up for the weekend. That's a great reveal halfway through the movie. Yeah, that was good, and, and then you kind of need to know very little about her. But I don't know anything about her at all. I don't know if she's resourceful in her job. I don't know where she lives. I don't know what like what she does. I don't know who she is. No. Like, I, you don't know who anybody is. No. And also, the you know, the entire movie kind of treats itself like a sequel. And I wonder if that was always the plan. Because the, the characters are completely incidental to the kills. It's all about the kills in this. There's very little plot. And we get into kills almost immediately. Yeah. So they, they decide that they're going to walk back to the gas station um, because the cars are totaled, both cars. And two of them stay behind. So... Um, Francine, I think, and Evan stay behind. Francine, who maybe if you know from the film Cry Wolf, which is a, another early 2000s horror film that I love that we will be talking about at one point on this podcast because I really like it and nobody likes it. I don't remember much about that movie either, but I, I know that it's pretty good. I remember really liking it. That's a that's a review from 13-year-old Kim right there. I haven't seen it since. I just yeah. really want to watch it. Certified fresh from two people who don't remember it. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Sure. Um, so they die like ASAP. Buddy goes missing in the woods. <laughs> we find his ear. Um, and right. Oh, man. Like, I love this kill in the movie, Francine. She gets it rough, but it oh, it's so good. It's like a razor blade chain to the mouth. I think it's barbed wire. Barbed wire with razor blades. Yeah. So to the mouth. To the mouth. Yeah. And so. And it like cuts through her cheeks and stuff. And it's, we're all five minutes into the movie. Yeah. By 20 minutes, I think we were pressing pause just to see how, how, I was like, is this an hour long movie? Because we were running out of characters. Yeah, 40% of the cast was gone. Yeah, because then next up is boyfriend-girlfriend duo of Clueless's rolling with the homies, 
What's his name? His name is Jeremy Sisto, ma'am. Isn't that and weird he that he knows that? Five seasons of Six Feet Under. Oh my god. <laughs> He's the strangest character in that show. How? What? Who is he in that show? Uh, he is. Oh, do I remember her name? Somebody's husband, right? Somebody's yeah. Brother. Oh. <laughs> but he definitely wants to marry his sister. Oh. What was her name? Deborah. I don't remember the show. Mm. It's a good show. I remember something about like a fruitcake being left out for several days. What? After somebody was dead. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Who do you think had the obsession with bottom halves of Jaws in this movie? The writer. The writer? Because <laughs> it's if it's not the writer and it's not the director, it's definitely the special effects guy. Because not only do we see um, Francine get that unfortunate like Joker kill where they just like break through her fucking cheeks. Where no, I got these guys. Mountain men. <laughs> <laughs> finally solved it uh when we get to the house when they find the cabin where these three guys definitely live there are body parts everywhere including a very nice little display uh of several mason jars of varying sizes filled with upper jaws bottom jaws just lots of teeth you know in gums it's interesting too because there's this there's definitely this goldilocks segment where they go into the house of doom and they don't know they're just looking for a phone uh, and then they discover all the gross things. Yeah, these guts are too cold. My guts are too hot. <laughs> but what I love is that when they get in there, there's a record player playing. So it's we're definitely making some assumptions about these inbred hillbilly characters because they have an affinity for the arts. <laughs> they listen to vinyl in, <laughs> in the woods like that. <laughs> they sound like most of your hipster friends that have gone off the grid. Yeah, like... In they eat food out of mason jars. I mean, technically, isn't it an organic diet? It came to their grounds organically. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> if you get killed on a farm and eaten by a cannibal, is that still farm to table? Oh. <laughs> We're stopping these guys. <laughs> these are bad. So they basically have to hide. Two of them are under the bed. Two of them are in, like, a closet with a keyhole. Uh, while the mountain men cut up their friend and... Prepare her for soup. <laughs> There's a really good shot where the camera goes through the keyhole and we see the reflection and panicked eye of girlfriend of somebody like raising his arm to hack a, an arm or a limb off. Uh, it's in like 2003 CGI, but it's still, a re I appreciate it. It looks just as good as the, uh, as the close-up shot in uh, Wes Craven's Scream. Well, not just as good, but it looks pretty good. <laughs> Did we ever confirm with that fiance who... The fiance is. She's no, so I... familiar. Yeah, she is really familiar. After the, uh... there's just segments in this movie. See, th and this is a big problem for this movie. It is just segments. Yeah, it's um, like Goldilocks segment, uh, Ranger Tower segment, mm -hmm. hiding in the treetop segment. Yeah, and then credits basically. Oh, and then we missed stealing the truck segment. Okay, well that's what we're up on now. Uh, stealing the truck segment starts with them sneaking out from under the bed and in the bathroom uh, after these guys have had like their Thanksgiving Day nap. Like they've they've eaten their friend enough that they are tired. Yeah, because human beings are full of tryptophan. It's one thing we've learned, and. They almost make it out, but a squeaky screen door ruins the day. And what's his name is holding that door like a hero so hard that blood is coming out. And it's like, I don't think screen doors work like that, but that's fine. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like the more they open it, the the tighter the, the spring is getting on his hand, which is kind of the opposite, I think, of how springs work. It would be stretching out. 
But I think it's supposed to just be that it's really rusty and old. And he's squeezing it so hard that it cuts his hand. It's his fault. (laughs) He's a doctor anyway. Surely he's had a tetanus shot in the last 10 years. He'll be fine. But he's such a hero there. Such a hero. Saved the day. But then the hillbilly's eyes are open. He's like, fuck, and then they run. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to drive home that he's the hero of this story when they're hiding out in the junkyard of cars and wreckage of all the people they've killed clearly they own a lot of land these guys yeah uh they probably don't own it like it's it's not like making a murderer they don't they aren't (laughs) like rich with property but like poor with uh haircuts (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say poor with reputation but he's like all right you guys run for the truck i'm gonna go ahead this way i'm gonna distract him he gets 10 steps before they shoot him in the leg (laughs) oh god Made a mistake. Please come back for me. <laughs> Throw some bay leaves over me and hide me. Um. So then uh, the other guy, he goes and runs the opposite way. And because like the hillbillies, I guess, are actually really dumb. They're like, oh, come on, guys. We're going left now. We're going to ignore the guy that's clearly down. On the other hand. That we could drag by foot. He's not going to go far. Yeah, but they know that there's a bunch of them. Did they? I guess maybe they haven't seen how many there are at that point. Maybe not. They might not know how many there are. Because the girls, in, in, as soon as the hillbillies are out of the field, the girls go help him. They all climb in the truck. Yeah. Like, but the, the whole rest of the movie is essentially just them on the run from these hillbillies. And, I mean, like, they do an okay job for a little bit. As they're trying to pick Jeremy Sisto back up, though, unfortunately, he gets a few arrows through the chest. And uh, he's, he's not going to make that wedding day. Dead. Yeah, he's dead. And after ditching the car at a dead end, they make their way through the forest uh, and, you know, find a watchtower that... This is great. Uh, The cannibals are definitely going to find them here. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Like, if you're looking for somebody who's trudging through the woods in the middle of the night, doesn't know where they are, does not know how to live in the woods, you better believe they're going to climb up a watchtower. Well, especially since as soon as they're up there, they start cracking a bunch of those emergency glow sticks. Yeah. And they're having a rave in there. They're literally the highest point in the forest, and they're just like, come party with us, (laughs) eat our face. But they, they find a radio, and they get a radio to work really, really briefly enough to get a ranger uh, en route. But it makes enough noise that the, the hillbilly cannibals know where they are. And they come climbing up, and they set fire to it. Because, of course, yeah. It's a good idea. Honestly. Except I- this is my biggest flaw with the movie. The fire tower is on fire. Everybody's jumping out the window because... You know, we're all wombats. We can just grab onto trees as we're falling through the sky. Um, Flying squirrels is what I should have said. What is a wombat? I don't know. Okay. Sounds cute, though. Yeah. (laughs) But would that not start a forest fire? Maybe. I think It looks pretty dry in that area. Looked pretty parched. So maybe. That would have been great. would fall over. And it should have. Like, they they, they jump out. Like, they've escaped... And the hillbillies are still after them, but now they got to deal with this gigantic structure that's going to fall on them. That would have been cool. Well, see, that's not. I was thinking even bigger scope, but they definitely didn't have the didn't have the budget for this. But mm-hmm. if they were running away from hillbillies and then also a forest fire, oh, like the entire forest. Yeah, that's a because cool idea. that's that's one of those foes. That's like when you have two opposing parties, and then there's like an evil in the middle, but it evil doesn't choose. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have zombies in a Nazi war movie, or yeah. you have ghosts being harnessed by a bad human but you know like like the headless horseman like he can't be owned 
That totally, that would totally, <laughs> totally work. Uh, because one, uh, maybe the fire department can't get in because it's just it's too dangerous. And like now they're left in there on their own. These cannibals are coming. Also, maybe they make it to where the good guys are, but a common practice in forest fires is to burn a trench, essentially. Like, you burn off, so that way when the fire comes toward that area and it hits all these dead trees that have already burned, it doesn't have any more fuel and it stops. So, you're reaching the exit, but the exit's on fire! And then they're essentially in a dome. Yeah, the Thunder Dome. Yeah. That doesn't resonate with you at all, does it? All right, that's fine. Um, Yeah, we don't learn anything about, like, the hillbilly cannibals, really. They just get to, like, one of them has a goofy laugh, and then the other two are, like, Thunderfoots. Yeah, one's got three fingers. In fact, he's called Three Finger. Yeah, you don't know their names, though, in the movie. No, they don't have names. They they grunt at each other, basically. Yeah. And a high-pitched squeal, and... uh, they're kind of like, uh, yeah. like if you reduced deliverance down to just a few basic grunts, guttural noises, that's exactly who these characters are. The sequence in the trees is kind of cool. Yeah, it's fun. I kind of enjoy how long it is, yeah. but I don't see so like I don't like the, the film is in segments because one, we don't learn anything about the character. So there's no overall like story arc like nobody really grows as a character Mm kind of thing and we literally are in chapter three we're in the trees and the branches are really big (laughs) huge and like the thing is they're they're super high up so the branches should all be pretty small like for the thickness of the branches they're maybe seven feet off the ground (laughs) yeah they can't see us up here be quiet everything's fine but then they're definitely so through all this weird like whispering in the trees Arrows are occasionally like hitting right near where their shoes are, and it's like when an arrow hits near you, it means they see where you are. They know they're exactly just shooting where they are. arrows into the trees and hoping for the best. Although maybe they are, but they're definitely not. No. And then one of them's really good at shimming, and he shimmies right up there, and he is like in the trees with them. And further proof that somebody has an obsession with bottom halves of jaws here, because he sneaks up on Carly. He sneaks up on Carly. He puts an axe essentially just like into her mouth, cutting her, the top of her head from the rest of her body. I just, I completely forgot about that shot and I'm just remembering it now. So good. It's a great shot. The whole top half of her head is balanced on this axe, which is stuck in the tree, but we see the rest of her body just fall away from her and tumble down to the ground. Yeah. And we're like bird's eye view and you watch the body hit like all the branches on the way down with no head. It's so good. It's pretty great. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah. And, uh, you know. It's great. (laughs) And then um, they slingshot him out of the tree. With like another Woody Woodpecker style pulled back branch. And yeah, and then the, the hillbillies feel like they, that's that's it. We're calling it a night tonight. They've hidden behind a water fountain. We're done. Yeah. They call off the search and go back home, I think. I don't even know. I don't know what they do. Yeah, I guess they just set up camp for the night. Mm. These look like the kind of guys that do not need a fire to go to bed. No, like it's just <laughs> Yeah, they're basically animals. Who wear overalls. I was going to say that. Yeah, I was like, they're <laughs> animals in plaid shirts and overalls. Yeah, who carry small axes. But they steal Elijah Dushku. Which is so out of character, though. They haven't taken anybody back alive. Nobody else. Nobody. Like, it doesn't, for them, it doesn't matter if the meat's fresh or not, because they're fine to butcher as they find. And that was, that was kind of my argument while we were watching it. Maybe, like, oh, we've just killed enough people. We're good for the rest of the month on Then food. they should have put her in a fridge. They had no refrigeration, John. But again, farm to table movement. You kind of want to, you don't want to transport that meat too far because then you release a bunch of 
uh, you know, you got greenhouse gases from just like the farming of these people, and also just like your emissions from the gas <laughs> getting from the from the All pasture right, we're to this I, metaphor's done. The metaphor's done. <laughs> <laughs> Drilled it. And I think this is where the movie's missing something. I think, unfortunately, they needed a kill up in that tree. Like they had, they had enough of a back and forth with the bad guys that somebody had to die. If they had somebody else in their group still, they could have kidnapped two of them. And it's so weird to say that this, what this movie's really missing is 20 minutes where somebody's tortured. Like, that's kind of what you need, right? Yeah, because basically this scene chalks up, it's the exact same scene in the end of Hocus Pocus when the three witches have the bullies in the cage because they're not actually going to kill any kids. You know what I mean? No, not at all. It's a Disney movie. This is not a Disney movie. Eliza Dushku could have died. And should have based on everything else these guys have done. Um, you know, obviously we need this guy, Chris, to, to get a car, to get back to them, because he's got to have a moment where, like, he could get out alive and leave her behind, but he's, he's gonna go get her, he's gonna save the day. It needs another set piece inside that cabin. Like, we kind of, like, I think we need two people in a cage, and Elijah Dushku, unfortunately, has to watch one of her friends get tortured and killed in front of her, Mm -hmm. because something else needs to happen before Chris drives his truck through the side of the the building. Yeah, like, are they boiling a pot and cutting carrots? Like, why is she still alive? (laughs) Well, what you really need to do with a good person stew is you need that mirepoix. You gotta make a roux. Yeah, you know, just a little bit of flour, a lot of onion and celery, and it's all all about slowly adding that stock and the teeth and the teeth you gotta boil them down you know this isn't the first time in the last few days that i've i've gone on a bender talking about soup i think i'm ready for soup (laughs) i think soup season's coming honestly i think i'm dying for just like a dumpling inside stew um see but there's a really like there's a really tight window with dumplings one bad doughy sticky dumpling and you are off dumplings for at least 10 years. Mm. You cannot have a bad dumpling. And if we made a dumpling, the first one would be bad and then I would never eat dumplings again. So I'm fine with living on the memory of dumplings because my grandma makes them really good. <laughs> <laughs> I only want my grandma's dumplings. <laughs> Your dumplings are trash. <laughs> the winner of this head to head is grandma's dumplings. Yeah. Make them better. Make them like my grandma does. We used to call, oh, this is, uh, why am I doing this? We used to call it stew and glue. <laughs> and, and what exactly the, is stew and glue? The yeah. dumplings are glue, and then they go in stew. Well, <laughs> why are they glue? Because they're sticky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I still don't follow. <laughs> That's just what we call it. Stew and glue. That's just what we called it. Did you guys also say that it was sticky and it would stick to your ribs when you swallowed it? No. Like gum? No, it's just. No. (laughs) You Hungarian weirdos. Okay, so I think we've totally wrapped up on this movie. There's not a lot of metaphors and stuff. There's not much more than a a bunch of hillbillies killing... uh, I don't even know if they're college kids. We don't know anything about them. I I don't think they're college kids. Killing a bunch of people in the woods. Yeah. I thought I liked this movie way more than I did. It does have some really cool kills and stuff, though. So, I mean, as a a throwaway slasher, it's pretty good. So what's your rating, then? I'm gonna go one and a half out of four. I'm also giving this a 1.5 out of four. I don't. There's not much to it, but yeah, it's got some cool stuff in it. How does it have so many sequels? I don't know. Well, I think it's just really easy to make a movie in the woods. Yeah. And like, if especially like once you hit Wrong Turn four, there's no way they're getting permits for these movies. Like, <laughs> I think one through four, fully legit union actors, everybody's above board and paid. After that, I think it's a lot of friends doing a lot of people favors. 
Yeah, it's probably just a really cheap title to like throw on. They're like, oh, we've got this slasher in the woods in development. Like, oh, throw in some inbreds in there and we'll make it the fourth wrong turn. That's what I think is happening. You're probably right. I One day we're going to sit down and we're going to watch them all. It's going to be a really long day. If you guys have seen them, though, please let us know. Let us know what's your favorite wrong turn. If there are any in the franchise that are actually good that you recommend we check out, um, where to start with the wrong turns. <laughs> we are controlling transmission. This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Baphomet & Co. Small batch handcrafted soap inspired by horror and the macabre. This week's pick is the number six Belmont Bar, the Black Christmas Blend. A suspiciously festive soap that evokes subtle notes of pine and the delicate ripeness of ready-to-burst berries. Identifiers are split red berries, blackened pine, and dead of winter. Use code NIGHTMARE for 10% off at checkout at baphometandco.com. Made by hands, sometimes severed. We are going to stick around for a few minutes and play a quick game that I have put together. It is called House of Pop. House of Pop. House of Pop. We are inspired by Paris Hilton, who had a also had a brief stint as a pop star. Um, so I'm going to be listing a bunch of pop stars who had acting stints in horror films. Okay. You're going to have to guess the horror film based on the name of the pop star. I mean, I'd like to, I, I feel dumb confident on this. I feel overly confident on this for no reason. I'm sure I'm going to do terrible. I'm going to give you a little, I'll give you an easy one. Right here. now? Yep. Here on the show. Uh, Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Oh, well, yeah, it's Queen of the Damned. It's Queen of the Damned. Yeah. See? Also, The Matrix? Was she in The Matrix? Real briefly? No, I don't know. Okay. But that doesn't, that's not a horror film. But I have a whole bunch more for you. I'm going to quiz you. You're going to do hopefully okay. Maybe not. Probably Maybe not. you will. Eh, there's some easy ones. Uh, if it's not death proof. Oh, I've already fucked up. If it's not Planet Terror, <laughs> I don't know it. You, we, we, I've deducted your intro point. No. <laughs> you can get that game over on patreon.com slash nightmare on film street, as well as all of our other bonus episodes, like our drive home from the drive-in of the... Autop? No. Possession. Possession of Hannah Grace. We're going to get it one day. It's not It's not the exorcism of I Emily Rose. I called it the exorcism the of The autopsy of Jane Doe. <laughs> it's, it's that trilogy. Back to triplets here. Oh. That we finally finished. The third one's always the weakest. A possession <laughs> of Hannah Grace. You can get that over at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. And while you got your phones in your hands, please, if you could, leave a five-star review on iTunes, on Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're getting this podcast. Share it with a friend that you think will love it. Recommend your favorite episode. Word of mouth is how we're going to continue to grow the horde and get the show in front of more fiends. That's it for us this week. I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at N-O-F-S podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay
stay creepy, fiends. <laughs>